Welcome to Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast of South Cities Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Learn more at southcities.church. On this oppressively fall day, impressively oppressively. <laughs> I was going to say, what did you all, say? <laughs> all of the above. It's super gray, dark, it's raining. This is oppressively fall. <laughs> mm, we're looking outside on the, the leaves, hospice care, as they slowly die. Um, wow. It's hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> uh, as we consider the natural way of the world as the world you know, goes through its seasons, yep. I just wanted to pose a random question. Do you think you've ever encountered something overtly supernatural? Now, I'm not talking about the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, stuff that we would say as Christians is certainly happening all the time as God ministers, but you ever seen, yay, let's call it a miracle? Um, I think I've witnessed a couple, maybe one or two uh, healings when we've prayed for people perhaps. And I think, I can't be certain, but I think when I used to work at camp, I've seen a demon. <laughs> so just throwing that out. Do you want to describe said demon? Was this a nighttime paralysis demon? Was this a, <clears throat> well, just, I mean, you can't just leave that teaser there. Why not? Away, Nick. <laughs> Well, next time you see Nick, ask him about his nighttime paralysis demon. No, it wasn't a nighttime paralysis. Right. I think I saw two demons in the same room okay. at camp. Okay. And they were at nighttime. Okay. Um, and I've heard other stories of people who used to work at camp and live in that room who also said they saw similar things. Interesting. I don't know. Just... It seemed pretty real. <laughs> Are you above 50% on that? Yeah. <laughs> Are you above 90%? Mm, no. <laughs> You're not above 90%. Okay. Well, I thought we had Ethan with a microphone, but he's not going to tell us anything miraculous. So just have to go on what Nick He's says. just pushing the button. And well, what about ask you? ask him later. I mean, yeah, I've seen real healings. I've seen demonic possession and exorcism. I've seen a couple of things... Uh, Defying the laws of gravity. I'll just leave it at that. That are, ooh, I'm uh, 100%. I would not even put it at above 90%. I'd say 100% other people uh, there with me watching it happen. So, yeah, I've seen things that certainly defy the laws of nature and tap into the spiritual realm, which is what we're going to talk about today. Yes, as we continue going through the Congregational Affirmation of Faith, especially in the second article, we're going to talk about regeneration, mm. work of the Holy Spirit, supernaturally giving us the new birth. But before we do that, we're going to talk about a new article. Article 6. Article 6 that has been, yeah, I mean 6, the number of man. Man was created on the sixth day. Man, deep symbolism. Didn't here. we do that intentionally? No, we No, did we not. didn't? Oh, okay. No, I don't think we did that. <laughs> We did not. So, Nick, do you want to read the article? And uh, Oh, sure. I can do that. Wow, that's yeah. Why don't you read the first paragraph? Very Minnesotan. Holy cow. Aren't you from Wisconsin? I am. It's, same, to, it's the you same accent. You need to accent. trade in your card. No. No. Well, no. it's pretty close. St. Croix divides more than accents. 
So uh, why don't you just read the first paragraph of okay. number six, Mankind and the Nature of Marriage. All right. We believe that man and woman were created by God in his own image as two distinct biological sexes. All such image bearers are worthy of dignity, respect, and protection from conception to death. Mankind was created originally in a state of innocence without sin. So why is that article in there, Nick? Well, I should pose that question to you because you're the one that wrote it. I mean, you ratified it, so you're equally responsible. (laughs) Why do we say... No, it... Why do we say man and woman created by God in his own image? Because we believe that that's what the Bible teaches. Yeah, both men and women. Yeah, both men and women are created in the image of God. Um, It's just Genesis 128. Yeah, yep, yep, which it explicitly says. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created created him, male male and and female, female, he created created them. them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which is a Hebrew poetic construct that, yeah. yeah. and so, number one, it's what the Bible says, but number two, it's really important uh, today. I mean, it's always important, but um, to say- Why do you say specifically today? Well, be- there's a lot of questions about what is man, what is a woman? Are they the same? Are they different? Is there any difference? And can you switch, <laughs> you know? Um and it, so right up front, it's really important to say that both men and women have equal dignity and worth as being created in the image of God. They both equally reflect him in the ways that he uh, ordained and that they do so in unique ways. So there's real differences and those differences are, they matter and they're beautiful. Yeah, they're distinct Biological sexes. Mm-hmm. Why do we put the adjective biological there? Um, <clears throat> well, because we think that it, they're reflected in our bodies. Yeah. I don't know. What are you getting at? I think it is, it's surrounding the idea that we're created as embodied people. Yeah. There's something that uniquely makes someone with a, you know, an X and a Y chromosome and a double X chromosome you know, their gender, yes, their sex. Mm -hmm. We would not say that gender and biological sex are divisible like Mm -hmm. nature or like, uh, like, uh, you know, we would say seems to be natural to the world around us. Mm -hmm. Um, but nature itself teaches different than that, fully acknowledging that there are, uh, in a fallen world, um, you know, people born asexual, with you know no mm-hmm. sexual organs, people born with different kinds or malformed, etc. That doesn't reduce their ability to either mm-hmm. shine forth the image of God or even ontologically in their very being that they are made in the image of God. Yep. So what you can do or not do in regards to your biological sex that's unique to your sex is no uh, call on your ability to image God. Right. So then we said all such image bearers are worthy of dignity, respect, and protection from conception to death. Mm -hmm. What are we getting at there? Uh, We're getting at, um, again, uh, it's seen clearly in the world today, the devaluing of human life, um, which is often most clearly seen either, you know, before birth, 
you know, so like abortion rights and things like that. Um, and in, it seems like even increasingly um, towards the end of life, right? And so, uh, you know, talks of, um, you know, is it what's compassionate, you know, for as someone ages, you know, should we just end it without suffering? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, stuff like that. And what we want to say is that, no, they're... It, um, Unborn babies and um, those who are heading towards the end of life still bear the image of God and are worthy of yeah. protection and love yeah. and yeah. all those things. Yeah. So the nature, especially of what we would term innocent life, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, something to be said and we could talk through like, you know, someone, you know, the, the Genesis 9, 6, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but if blood is shed by man, you know, it shall be required of him. There could be a question about like what it looks like for punishment in civil society, you know, and other things like that. But in, in terms of in principle, everyone being created in God's image means that from the moment of conception, there's no like in-kind difference truly between a, uh, you know, single-celled human and a multi-celled human Mm-hmm. You know, all the way to the point of the end. Yes, different in function and capability and degree, mm-hmm. but that's you know we don't we don't say that therefore life is not worthy of protection because of severe disability, right? Or because of uh, inability to perform functions. We do not believe that mankind can confer protection upon or remove protection from right. Other, other image, image bearers. bearers. Yeah, only God can do that, and mm-hmm. God has clearly said what He thinks about that. Amen. So, uh, mankind was created originally in a state of innocence, without sin. Mm-hmm. It's just a standard statement that, like Adam and Eve, before the uh, fall, before mm-hmm. the fall, God created them innocent, perfect, capable of falling. Yes, um, because they did fall. We don't know all the reasons behind that, um, but. Uh, you know, they were uh, able to sin. Now they're, now we are as under Adam, unable to not sin. Under Christ, in Christ, we are able to not sin. And then someday, uh, in that glorious day, we will be unable to sin. Uh, someday. Yep. Uh, you want to read the second paragraph? Sure. <clears throat> we further believe that the covenant of marriage is reserved in God's design for only one man and one woman. All sexual activity outside of this marriage covenant is forbidden as sinful by God. Marriages recognized by the state that fall outside of this definition are not valid in God's sight. We're essentially saying God, God came up with the idea right. <laughs> of yep. monogamous relationships and a covenant and therefore... Um, yep. he gets the right to define it and the yeah. state doesn't get the right to redefine it. Right. Marriage belongs to God, not the state. <coughs> yep. Um, this is probably uniquely the one place in our congregational affirmation of faith where we're clearly delineating what we do not believe. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of everything else is very positively stated. But here we're like saying something that we are asking our congregation to believe together about the nature of sex the nature of sex and relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, why do that? Why why have a statement? The, again, this statement was not part of Bethlehem's statement. 
um, originally. Why do we have a statement like this that we ask the congregation to agree with? Yeah, and I, th- I just think uh, um, it's really important to be clear on this. And so we have to define both what marriage is. And then in, in response to what the world is saying marriage is, we have to say, no, it's not. And we, we do that for the congregational affirmation of faith because we think it's so important that getting this wrong will put you outside the bounds of acceptable Christian belief. Yeah. This right? Is, uh, I mean, this 1 is Corinthians a, 6, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. You know, um, is it don't be deceived, you know, sexually immoral, um, those who practice homosexuality, um, adulterers. Yeah. Say, it might say fornicators. I can't remember. It's either the general world word pornia. Mm-hmm. I'm shooting from the hip here. Uh, they will not inherit inherit. the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Of such were some of you, Corinthians, but you were Mm -hmm. washed, you were sanctified. Um, So there's a, it's the the gospel we believe purchases for those that have faith in Jesus. Yes, justification before him, but also that progressive sanctification that, Mm -hmm. you know, never is perfect this side of glory, but uh, continues to work. It's the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. Well, and it's interesting because in that first Corinthians six passage, it says such were some of you, but you were, uh, washed, sanctified. And then it says you were justified. Right. And yeah. which means if you think about the logic that those who are justified will display the fruit of not doing those things anymore, such were some of you, but you were justified. Right. Which means that if you continue in those things unrepentantly, we're not saying, you know, that Christians can't sin, right? We're not saying that there can't be struggles. But if it's just like a, an unrepentant headlong dive into those things is okay and fine and I'm not, you know, it's just who I am, whatever, then that should cause um, a, uh, what, how, how do you want to say it? No confidence in someone's right. profession of faith, right? Right. So... The, the, what we're saying is that the stakes are high, and so we need to be clear on it. Right. The last sentence of this reads, marriages recognized by the state that fall outside this definition are not valid in God's sight. So the state can say whatever it wants to mm-hmm. about marriage, whether here in America or elsewhere you know, in the world, whether uh, incorporating versions of polygamy or same-sex marriage, or non-binary marriage, whatever else. Mm-hmm. And it's just a statement that we believe that those things aren't what God considers marriage to be. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they are not marriage. They might be social contracts. They might be things that get labeled as such in whatever um, you know secular nation one is in. But in God's eyes, they're not valid. That's kind of radical. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, but in another sense, not really. If God was there first and designing it, yeah, totally saying so, it just seems radical because of kind of the rising tide of, uh, just call it perversion mm-hmm. in our society. Anything else and, you'd say? Well, about, and yeah. these same perversions have been around for thousands of years. They have been, yeah. You know, so in in one sense, Empire, it's nothing new. <laughs> yeah, the Roman Empire was, you know, while not uh, you know formally labeling things as marriage. They were not marriage. They certainly allowed for all kinds of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, legal sexual immorality, um, especially for the pater familias, the father of the family, mm-hmm. to indulge in uh, with no legal culpability right. for doing so. And it's into that that, you know, Paul wrote 
1 Corinthians 6 and all kinds of other things mm-hmm. um, that he says about marriage, sex, family. Yep. Anything else you'd say about this one? I think I'm good too. Yeah. Regeneration. Number seven. We, I mean, seven, the number of God. I mean, perfection. Yep. We believe that Adam sinned and thereby incurred physical, spiritual, and eternal death, which is separation from God. That as a consequence, all human beings are born with a sinful nature and are sinners by choice and therefore under condemnation. We believe that those who repent and forsake sin and trust Jesus Christ as Savior are regenerated by the Holy Spirit and become new creatures delivered Mm -hmm. from the condemnation and receive eternal life. Why do you think we said physical, spiritual, and eternal instead of just physical and spiritual? Um, Real question, because I'm not sure. uh, Well, I think there are some who would seek to not affirm the eternal consequences of sin in a hell, right? So this is our saying, no, we think that there are, there is eternal punishment, yeah. eternal yeah. conscious punishment for those who don't repent. Yeah. yeah. Jesus' words about uh, appropriating the end of Isaiah, you know, where their worm does not die. Revelation 14, you know, the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever mm-hmm. while they are in the presence of the lamb mm-hmm. and um, his holy angels. Yep. So there is one sense in which you could talk about the eternal consequences of sin being separation from the goodness of God and his promises, right? But there's another sense in which you would say, actually, God is very much present in the eternal suffering of unbelievers because it's his wrath that's being poured out. But we would want to be enjoying the presence of God. Yeah, yeah. And it's that's, the, yeah, separation yeah, from that. Separation from the presence of God to the benefit mm-hmm. of those present. Exactly. Those atoned for, covered by blood, sanctified on their way to glorification as opposed to those that they seek to draw near to God or God draws near to them in judgment and mm-hmm. they are not atoned for. Absolutely. And therefore under the judgment of God. Yep. So uh, as a consequence, all human beings are born with a sinful nature. Let's let's think about these three clauses. Born with a sinful nature is number uh-huh. one and our sinners by choice is number two. Mm-hmm. And therefore, number three are under condemnation. Mm-hmm. Do you think that number three of the therefore is there because of both of the first two clauses or just one of those two clauses? I think it's there for both. Explain. Um, yeah, so I was just thinking about this actually and I was like, you know, if you do it like in math terms, there would be like a parentheses around sinner by nature and sinner by choice. And then the whole thing would be, you know, times under condemnation. <laughs> just like to, uh, I don't know how it works, but like the, you know, it would signify both of those things are what the therefore is referring to. And I think the Bible teaches that, especially in Romans five, yeah. um, that because of one man's sin, all are under condemnation. Yep. Right. Yep. And so we, and there are many ways in, not many, but a few different ways that, you know, church history has sought to talk about the inheritance of Adam's sin and how exactly that works. But, we would very much affirm that because Adam sinned, we as his offspring, yeah. therefore we're, we're sinful by nature. And yep. that's enough. Yeah, <laughs> to lead us to condemnation. To lead us to yeah, condemnation. Yeah. We don't need, I mean, we will make the choice to sin. Very, it will absolutely Very happen. certainly. 
So what does that mean then for people who never have the conscious choice to sin, whether they're severely mentally disabled, mm-hmm. whether they're uh, just very young uh, and don't have that conscious choice to sin, yet they are in Adam? Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think that we read uh, verses you know, in scripture that don't necessarily uh, directly address that, but give us a good hint. Um, like for example, David with his yeah. son, Offspring he dies. Of yep. And gives great hope that he will be, you know, in heaven with the love of God. Yep. Um, that God holds us accountable for, uh, what we can know. Right. Yeah. The argument, uh, rolls out of Romans 1, mm-hmm. 19 and 20. So that uh, yep, you know, exactly. people that are under condemnation because they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. And the inference is, is that for those that never have an opportunity to do that, um, that we trust in the merciful good care of our God mm-hmm. to care for them. So the way the elder affirmation of faith, which we ascribe to, mm-hmm. says it at the end of article eight, is we do not believe there is salvation through any other means than through receiving the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit, except that infants and people with severe intellectual disabilities and minds physically incapable of comprehending the gospel mm-hmm. may be saved. Right. So we think that there is a, a place for a merciful good God who uh, you know, uh, acknowledges and sees that no such suppression or willful choice has been made. Mm-hmm. And we trust in the good character of him right. to, to uh, act justly. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we believe that those who repent and forsake sin and trust Jesus Christ as Savior are regenerated by the Holy Spirit and become new creatures, delivered from condemnation and receive eternal life. So... Um, does faith lead to the new birth? I was just going to ask you. Or does does, uh, does the new birth lead to faith? Does this imply that regeneration follows faith? I don't think it does. Um, it just says that all those who repent and forsake sin and trust in Jesus are regenerated. And so that leaves open- you say it more as a description than as a yeah, I'd, causality? I would say that this leads leaves open the interpretation of one following the other. Yeah, and that you could say either. Yep, and we would we would affirm in the elder affirmation of faith that regeneration precedes faith. Yeah, so that's just a uh, a simple analogy would be if like we we would affirm, I mean Calvinists that we are, mm-hmm. we would affirm the free will of man, absolutely, not the libertarian free will, mm-hmm. the ability to just do other than what you want, right? But you are free to do what you want. Question is, is what do you want? Mm-hmm. And what is shaping you to want what you want? If what's true is that we're in Adam and dead in our sins, Mm -hmm. and we would choose to run headlong after our sin in whatever way, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, apart from faith, uh, then what leads us to want something else? Right. What enlivens us? And different Christians have answered that different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, an Arminian Christian would say, well, there's prevenient grace. Every human being is given a measure of grace to enliven their will. To be enabled. To be enabled. To freely choose And God, we would right? say that 
the elect are granted that. Mm -hmm. God's elect uh, in Romans 9, uh, I mean, just what we've been preaching through in Ephesians 1 and 2, that this is for a specific group of people mysteriously chosen. We can't see, nor can we know um, before the final judgment Mm -hmm. who all is in that number. We have evidences now, Mm -hmm. but we can't see truly or finally. So we would affirm that the regeneration precedes yeah, yeah. The enlivening precedes that moment of faith. Yep. So the spirit makes you alive. I think, you know, I think of first Corinthians, no, second Corinthians four. Right. The God of this world has blinded the hearts of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus. But God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in their hearts to give them the, the, the knowledge of the, I'm, I can't remember the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Right. And so that God shines into their hearts, makes them alive, yeah. makes them able to see Jesus, and then they choose. Yeah, amen. Because they want to. <laughs> amen. Yeah. So delivered from condemnation, all of the negative effects of sin, and then all the positive effects receive eternal life of Christ's righteousness granted to us. There's more than eternal life. There, but even the baptism question we're going to ask this upcoming week, you know, Mm -hmm. are you trusting in Christ alone to, uh, for the forgiveness of your sins and the fulfillment of all God's promises, even eternal life? Mm -hmm. It's kind of a a pride of place, like a most, uh, you know, a a most incredible thing. We get life eternal. Mm -hmm. Anything else you'd say about this article, Nick? Just that it's really good, good news that God would be gracious enough to make us alive in Christ. Amen. Show us Jesus. Next week, we are talking about the church and Christian conduct, two things that are pretty closely tied to each other. Mm, Maybe we'll have most of our Mary band back on the podcast, and perhaps the weather will be nicer and more uplifting to my soul. Probably not. Mm. (laughs) Always optimistic, Nick. 